ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Brian and Abigail behind the glass because, you know, Joe wears a lot of hats. Joe wears a lot of hats around here, so you need two people to do the job of one Joe, apparently. Mm. I mean, there's been two producers all the entire week. just an average Joe, but you're saying that he's a big-time Joe. It depends on the time. Depends on the time and what the task is. I mean, most big-time people get a week off, right? They, they can take the whole week. week. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so I guess he does have some, some pull around. He, he had four days. Worked Monday, didn't work the next four days. Bizarre. Really bizarre. Where's and to do it in January? What is Joe doing? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. What is Joe doing? Um, it is conference championship weekend. We're just a couple of days. So I'm really excited for these matchups. I think we have two heavyweight matchups. Um, I would like Kansas City Baltimore to have been the late game, just from an entertainment point of view. Like it feels like that's the main event. Like the co-main event to me, San Francisco, Detroit. I feel like they should be flipped, but I'm not the schedule maker. No one cares what I have to say. Uh, I want to get into the which four quarterbacks, what ranked from one to four, uh, need a Super Bowl win the most for their legacy. But we saw this Chronicle story come out just moments ago about Janice McNair. Apparently they had a little court hearing today. And you have one side arguing one thing, the other side arguing this other thing. Lawyers always try to use fancy words to defend their case. Uh, You really don't know what's true. Like the facts, the only really fact that came out of it was that Janice McNair did have a stroke uh, recently. How much that impairs her, who knows? Because one side argues one thing, the other side argues the other. My, My only real feel from this and like take it to create to take on this new story i feel bad that janice has her two sons arguing in the court and going like this is this has become a public deal like now you have and i know that's happening in a courtroom but this has become public one side arguing one thing one son arguing one thing the other son arguing the other thing and at the center of this whole drama is poor old janice mcnair who may or may not have some health concerns it's extremely embarrassing right i mean it's one thing that we all know that you all have things that go on in your lifetime that happen within your family business and the best thing you can say is you handled it internally it, it's not going to be in, you know on the court of public opinion but this kind of stuff right here is flat out embarrassing because it's rich kids fighting over the family toy while the mother realizes this might be the last memory she has while you know living her last years is the fact that out in the middle of everybody the family is fighting and they're and they're bickering over over trying to get the most money the most clout when at a time when the team just turned the corner and got back to respectability and more again and everybody should just be having fun and celebrating it's not a good look for the family. It's not a good look for the organization. Yeah, I, I don't even know if that's what he wants. Like we're jump, I think we're jumping to conclusions that that's what he wants. It's probable that's what he wants. When rich people sue other rich people in a very rich family, it usually has some monetary, you know, reasoning. We, we don't know that for sure. Like we know that he wants to to, like to govern her finances and her well being. What if he's genuinely concerned about Cal and Hannah? Like we, it could be. We don't know. We have no idea. That's why I don't want to jump to any sort of conclusions when it comes to. 
Because we have no idea. We have no idea Carrie's motives. Like, Cal's motives, I think, are clear. They're trying to cover up some information that they don't want to come out, which could be minor stuff. Could be bank account information. Could be medical history. They don't want other people to know. And I, I don't blame them. Uh, this isn't at all a knock on what Cal's trying to do. It's just very sad for Janice McNair. And I, I, hate, I hate that it's being played out publicly. And again, the only reason why this information would, wouldn't stay private is because of the kids bickering over control over the biggest asset in the family. And that, you know what? But, I, but who's to say he's wrong? Regardless, I mean, wrong about what? The fact that... Yeah, what if, Car- what if Carrie's concerned that Cal's not handling her best interest the right way? We don't know that that's... Like, we assume that it's not, and everybody likes Cal right now. I, I, but what I, if Carrie I, has a case? I suppose you're right. I, I think that the reason why I would, you know, and you're right, I'm assuming, and I'm assuming by going by the fact that it seems like finally there's some stability at the top of the organization. Finally, it seems like there's some likability, some stability, um, and some reasons to feel positive about ownership again. Yeah. And I think that's probably right. You're probably right. I, I probably got caught up in it, too, to say, I hey. I think everybody has. Yeah, it's going the right direction now. I, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's keep it going that way. But I don't think those things go hand-to-hand. Like, just because we like where Texans' ownership is now doesn't mean that's in the best interest of Janice McNair. Like, we don't know that. Like, we have no like maybe her being wheeled around at training camp and being put in the suite and John McClain putting propaganda out there isn't what's in the best interest for her. I don't know that. I, I have no idea. I, that's why I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. These lawyers are going to present a case this way. The lawyers are going to present a case that way. And two sons are bickering in front of a public audience about the well-being of their their dear old mother who may or may not be having some serious health concerns. It stinks. I hate it. And I don't know who's right, uh, but it's awful. Uh, moving on. Not, not an easy segue, but 713-780-ESPN. Tony the Handsome says Hannah is my owner. Maybe Carrie doesn't like that. <laughs> Maybe Carrie doesn't like that Hannah feels very comfortable being the owner of of the Houston Texans. Uh, anyways, there's four quarterbacks that are playing football in the conference championship games on uh, on Sunday. The two in the AFC, Lamar, Pat Mahomes. I think those are the best two left. I don't think there's an argument to be made there. The NFC Conference Championship features Jared Goff and Brock Purdy. From a legacy point of view, and talking about the individual quarterbacks, from a legacy point of view, who needs this the most? Who needs a Super Bowl victory more than anybody else? Who would you have at the top of the list and then two, three, four? I think top of the list is, is Brock Purdy because of the fact that, you know, Jared Goff's already been to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, he's done some things, though he didn't get full credit because everybody pointed to McVay first and foremost. But coming off of the fact that he's at least taken a team there, he's also spun off into De- to the, ver- the, the Goff version of in Detroit where he's done a lot of good things, and he's led his football team to another deep run. So I think that, and he's still got plenty of football left. I think that you're looking at a two-time MVP in Lamar, and yeah, he does need a Super Bowl at some point in his career or more, but I think that he's already set himself for a legacy that looks like it's, it's got the trajectory to head him towards the Hall of Fame, and we all know Mahomes is on a, on a level all by himself. So I, I think that he would be last on my list no matter what. I think when you look at it from a Brock Purdy perspective, he's, he's a glorified game manager in a lot of people's minds. We saw what Ryan Clark you know, said this week uh, and basically started to throw some, some dirt on him and, and basically try to crap on him a little bit. Uh, but the fact is, is that it's a great story, but yet is it a great legacy? I think it's a story coming from Mr. Irrelevant to doing what he's been able to do with the Niners the last two years. But in order to really solidify himself as a better-than-average, legit NFL quarterback 
with a chance to do more, I think it means the most to him. Interesting. So you had it Purdy, Lamar, Goff, Mahomes? Yeah. Did I hear you right? Okay. I, I, uh, I'm I on the complete opposite. Actually, Purdy, I would say Purdy, Goff, Lamar, Mahomes. Okay. So Purdy, Goff, Lamar, Mahomes. I Ours are pretty drastic. The only thing that we have in common is Mahomes. Like Mahomes. Now, Mahomes is chasing quarterbacks and chasing greats. Mm-hmm. Pat Mahomes, like I think he's already created the, one of the all-time great legacies. And I expect him to win more titles. And like you can make the case, well, Mahomes needs to kind of catch up to Brady if he wants to be in this greatest quarterback of all-time conversation. But I also think the legacy is already there. Pat Mahomes, in my mind, is already top tier. Uh, is he past Brady in terms of resume? Absolutely not. Do I think he's more talented than Brady? Yeah, I think that he is. Uh, Brock Purdy, to me, for like all the things that you said, is the reason that I have him third. Uh, because I don't think that you really respect a game manager. Like Trent Dilfer, is he, is he celebrated for winning a Super Bowl title? Not really. He's kind of mocked mm-hmm. that he won a Super Bowl title. Well, yeah, you did, but you did it because you had the greatest defense of all time. Whenever If San Francisco does win the Super Bowl, no one's going to, unless Brock Purdy just goes nuts, no one's going to sit there and say, well, Brock Purdy's the reason that they won it all. So I don't think that it really impacts the legacy of Brock Purdy because he's a game manager. Second, I have Jared Goff, and I know that Goff has been to one, but I feel like Goff is kind of underappreciated. I feel like he is underrated, and people kind of mock Goff's Super Bowl appearance too. Well, was, you know, you didn't score points, and you had the wonder can Deshaun McVay that was whispering sweet nothings into your ear until a certain time was left on the play clock. To me, this Jared Goff winning a Super Bowl would establish himself into, I wouldn't say the top tier of quarterbacks, but he would no longer, in my opinion, be underrated and underappreciated. I think he would be properly rated and properly appreciated. Number one to me by a mile is Lamar Jackson. Because what do we say about Lamar Jackson? Well, he's great in the regular season. He's going to win his second MVP. But it's the postseason struggles for Lamar Jackson. If he wins a title, you can never say that about him again. I think it probably puts him on a Hall of Fame path where it really wouldn't for a Jared Goff. It really wouldn't right. for a Brock Purdy. Pat Mahomes is already on the Hall of Fame path, so it's not you know putting him over the top. For for me, it's Lamar Jackson by a mile. See, and I think that the the, the point that you make is is the one that I also considered, which is we're talking about a legacy with two guys they might never have the kind of legacy that when you start talking about quarterbacks, right? You, you can remember their careers, but would you remember Jared Goff as being having a legacy? Well, if he wins a second uh, Super Bowl championship and, and he gets another trophy and and he's he's you know resurrecting this Lions uh, the the organization and taking them for the next several years to success, there's a chance that he continues to build a legacy where. You know, we have these discussions with some of these quarter. Eli Manning's a guy that everybody picks apart. Should he be a Hall of Famer or shouldn't he? But the biggest thing that everybody weighs, puts the hangs their hat on with Eli is two Super Bowl championships, mm-hmm. two Super Bowl MVPs. So you, you look at it from that perspective. I, I think it's fair to say from a Purdy perspective, you don't know if he's ever going to be considered great. You, know, you don't know if he's ever going to be considered to be really, really good. But if he gets one here... And then the Niners know we still got our guy. We're sticking with him. And the Niners aren't done with their window being open, and they continue to go back. Now he can build a legacy, which otherwise maybe he couldn't. I've, so I get that. I, to me, it's difficult for him to create the legacy when he would never be given the the praise for winning the title. Because it would be, well, Christian McCaffrey. It would be Shanahan. It would be that elite defense. It would be Debo Samuel if he's good enough to play. Like, I don't think that Brock Purdy has the most to gain. He's a game manager. He can win on really good football teams. And could he do that by himself? Could he be an MVP? I know that he was kind of in the race this year. Lamar, Lamar has the most to gain in the sense that 
what our perception of him is. Like, well, well, he sucks in the playoffs. He stinks. Great regular season quarterback, but he can never win the big one. You called him the James Harden of the NFL at the quarterback position. You win a title, you silence all of that, and now because he is so good, two-time MVP, how many quarterbacks have done that? Very, very few. Two-time MVP plus the Super Bowl title, he's an all-time great, where he's not an all-time great yet. Well, but the thing is, is I would say the legacy's there no matter what, right? And I think that he solidifies it if he wins one. I think the legacy stayed if he doesn't win a title. But it Maybe a little bit, but I think he's still probably going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. I don't know. How much is James Harden's legacy staying for never winning a title? I think James Harden's still going to end up in the Hall of Fame someday. Right. But, so that's what I'm saying. But so, you wouldn't consider him like I mean anywhere near the same level as like a LeBron or even a Kevin Durant who like jumped on Golden State ship to win a title. N- well, similar to probably. I mean, look, the fact of the matter is the window isn't shut on him yet either. I mean, I still think that there are chances True. for Lamar in his future to win one. And if he wins one, no matter when he wins one, it probably does enough to kind of silence enough people, right? Yeah. But I, because of the fact that you were the one seed and got bumped in your first game to Tennessee a couple years ago, people are looking at this as like, this is the redemption tour. And if it falls short again, you're right. Then there is going to be a stain to talk about. Yet I still think he solidified the legacy of being a Hall of Fame type quarterback at the end of his career. You bring up a really interesting angle of it, too, that I hadn't thought about that I, that I want to discuss on the other side. Uh, in seven one three seven eight zero espn of these four quarterbacks, who has the most to gain for their legacy? Who has the least to gain? Which of these quarterbacks is this like close to the final chance? Because I agree with you. Lamar's going to have more opportunities. I think Mahomes is going to have more opportunities. I think Goff's going to have more opportunities, perhaps. I think Purdy's going to have more opportunities. Of these four... Like, who is seeing the last of those opportunities? Who has the fewest opportunities of these four? 713-780-ESPN, our HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Busy show. we got to get to the craziness that is this coaching carousel. We were on the air yesterday when the Falcons hired uh, Raheem Morris. It didn't really hit me that they hired Raheem Morris over the greatest football coach of all time. And then where is D'Amico in relation if he was in this year's carousel? Alpi Shingun was on that podcast with Reddick. He talked about how he likes tough coaching from Ime Adoka. Uh, who fits Ime Adoka after we've seen him here half a year? Who said it? Everybody's favorite game and BZ Money. Two games to talk about. Uh, Killer Bees had a great week last week. We'll continue to have a good week this week. 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Just search ESPN Houston on YouTube. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. It was the first time that Abigail's uh, running the board like by herself. She's done it, you know, bits and pieces, right, Abigail? You can turn on the microphone. It's okay. Um, so she's been she's been well she's she's been a few segments running the board, yep. things like that. Yep. First ever rejoin she plays for us is a lie. It's a lie. Spencer is a liar when he says that there's nothing Africanized about this show, and you need to know that. Abigail. As somebody who's going to be playing rejoiners for our show, just know that Spencer is lying when he says that. Okay? Spencer's- I got you. I got right, you. Thank Spencer you. lies a lot, actually. He does. He, he fabricates. He's a liar. Yeah, he fabricates a lot. He's a liar. He's a big liar. Maybe his touchdowns. He lies more than he scored touchdowns in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Which of these four quarterbacks that are still remaining have the most to gain for their legacy with a Super Bowl title? Because, I mean, look, Super Bowl titles are massive when you talk about legacies. Peyton Manning, well, he's won two. 
but he's not Brady, who's won more than any other. Brady has more Super Bowl titles than in every NFL organization has Super Bowl titles. Why Brady's the GOAT. Uh, you bring up Eli Manning. Well, how would we view Eli Manning if he had zero, zero titles? A lot differently. A lot differently. A lot like differently. He might not be a Hall of Famer. He might not be a Hall of Famer if he doesn't have the two Super Bowl titles. How do we view – like, Dan Marino could be one of the greatest quarterback talents of all time. We never talk about him as one of the greatest. Why? Because he didn't win a Super Bowl. Uh, Joe Montana. Like, who's better? who's a better quarterback, Montana or Marino? Well, everybody says Marino because of the resume, but or Montana, Montana. because of the yeah. resume, but yeah. Marino is probably more talented. Yeah, because, you know, it was interesting because this week I, I saw Graziano talking on one of the segments on ESPN – and he said, I think that Dan Marino is one of the greatest throwers of the football and quarterbacks that I've ever seen, but he doesn't get the love because he never made an appearance after, what, his first or second year? I think it was year two. Year two, he goes to the Super Bowl and never sniffs it again. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't like he doesn't get his due because of that title. And I think that the Super Bowl titles, you might be able to compare NBA titles to, like, like but it's weird because NFL – NFL, the quarterback position is the only position that matters when it comes to Super Bowl titles. We don't look at Barry Sanders like, well, he didn't win a Super Bowl title. We don't look at uh, we don't look at Randy Moss didn't win one. Like he was on that he was on that undefeated Patriots team that lost in the Super Bowl. We don't look at Randy Moss and be like, well, you can't compare him to Jerry Rice. Not that you should, but you can't compare him to Jerry Rice because he doesn't have the Super Bowl title. The quarterback position is the only position in the NFL where we look at Super Bowl titles as legacy like accolades to grade these all time quarterbacks against each other. 0-1-0-2. Goff needs this. Got his revenge game against the Rams. Now cap off this offseason with the ship. That said, I don't see anyone beating the Ravens. So there's a vote for Jared Goff. We both had Goff second, like on our yeah. list of four. Yep. That's the We agreed on Goff. We agreed on Mahomes last because he's already kind of built that legacy. 3-1-5-4 brings an interesting point to this. Just look at the guaranteed money. It's far and away more important for Pur- uh, for a Purdy. That's a really good it point is. that yeah. I hadn't thought about because Lamar's been paid, Goff has been paid, Mahomes has been paid, Purdy's on a Mister Irrelevant rookie contract from a from a like let's cash in while we're still good in the NFL. That's a really good point. See, the other thing that I was going to say about that though, and I, I kind of alluded to it in the first segment, which is if Purdy wins. There's a pretty good chance San Francisco sticks with him as the quarterback, and then he probably gets a contract at a certain point, and they kind of ride with him longer. If they don't win this year, and if he throw, if he plays as bad as he played for three and a half quarters uh, uh, last week against Green Bay, then they could look to move on from him this offseason. Now, not only does he get the first big contract, he may not get any more of his contract, and he may be looking for work. So from that perspective, you have to think about it going, this is the guy with the least amount of achievement that has the most to oh, prove. That, that's an, I hadn't even thought about, like... His job security. Yeah, uh, yeah, because that's, I mean, he is Mr. Irrelevant. Like, they seem to like him, and they traded Trey Lance. Now, Trey Lance was a bust, but pe- even people thought, like, you know, when they brought in Darnold, that I, I remember some, like, bold preseason yep. predictions. Mm-hmm. The Niners will win the win the Super Bowl behind Sam Darnold. Uh, 2 one two, eight, without the rings, Chargers win the Rivers-Manning trade. That's a fact. Yep. Like, Phillip Rivers statistically has better numbers than Eli Manning. But Eli Manning has the two titles, and Philip Rivers never got there. Uh, seven seven two seven Lamar run the table, get all the medal, take all the trophies, and tell everybody to shut the bad word up. Because uh, I, I I think that does exist. It does that do narrative that. does exist. Mm-hmm.
mm-hmm. with Lamar, and it would shut everybody up. You would have nothing. He would have two MVPs. He would have at least one Super Bowl title in his career. You could say nothing about Lamar Jackson. And you got to believe if they win it all, he's probably going to be in the running for MVP of the, of the Super Bowl. Yeah, and and if, so. he gets, if he gets the MVP of the Super Bowl as well on a year when they always say, well, if you won the MVP in the regular season, how'd you do in the playoffs? Yeah. You got the MVP of the Super Bowl and you won a Super Bowl title the same year. Now people are really elevating your legacy. So that's a fact. I'll be honest with you. I never put any stock in Super Bowl MVPs. Like, and I know that I'm in the minority there. Yeah. This is kind of like my Pro Bowl. I, did, I put zero stock in Pro Bowls. Like, it's, it's, it's one game. It's one game. Oftentimes, they give it to the more popular player than any. Like, the year Andre Iguodala won an NBA Finals MVP. Probably should have went to LeBron on the losing team. On the team. losing team, yeah. But, but the thing is, Jeremy, it's on the biggest stage. It's the biggest game. In some people, it's in their career. But if it's the biggest stage, biggest game, and you win it all... Now people are, are are talking about making statues and solidifying this, that, and the other thing. So uh, I think that it does matter how you perform in the Super Bowl. But to your point, look, Desmond Howard won a freaking Super Bowl MVP one year yeah. over Favre because he ran a kickback. And that's that's where I just like, eh, whatever. Like, you had a big game. Like, I, I'm not going to sit there and – like, it, it's a feather in the cap. Like, sure, if you win the Super Bowl MVP, it's something else you can put on the resume. It's just pretty far down the list for me. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Uh, Junior Broncos on Twitch. I want to see the Ravens lose just to see the Lamar stands cry. That, that's the definition of a, a hater, hater there. But Junior Broncos is kind of a shtick, which to, I kind of appreciate. To your point earlier, I was going to bring up, too. Did you hear recently how Randy Moss went out and called himself the greatest receiver of I all did. time? It's like, did you not see Jerry Rice play? Yeah. Do you not see the stats? Do you not see, and again, then, and, and not see the Super Bowl championship? Right. Across but, the board, he's the I mean, statistically. Sure. That's the thing. Like, at their absolute peak, like just a one-year peak, Rice or Moss? See, I think the ability to free themselves up and get open, it's Jerry Rice. If the ability to get to go up in high point and take a football away from just about anyone in any situation, it's Randy Moss. I mean, Moss would run out, would just run by people at times, though. He he could go he because again because he's a bigger receiver too. I, I don't know that everybody always maybe I'm not gonna say they misjudged him, but you're right. He had better speed than most for a guy his size. But Jerry Rice was blazing, and Jerry Rice had the ability to run perfect routes. And and he was smooth and and I just think that in terms of being able to get the open quickly, it's Jerry Rice. Right. But to go up and high point of football and just in any kind of coverage, take down, a, make any kind of catch, it's Randy Moss. Look, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. Like I think I would have Rice ahead of Moss, but I can understand where Moss is coming from. To me, it's the Barry Sanders Emmitt Smith conversation, kinda. Like Barry Sanders at his peak was better than Emmitt Smith. Mm-hmm. Emmitt Smith's resume is better than Barry Sanders. And, but I think that. A lot of times when we look at resume, too, it, we look at stats or we look at achievement. Resume, we definitely look at that, right? yeah. So, so in the case of Randy Moss, did he win a Super Bowl? No. Will Jerry run multiples? You know, d- does he, where is the statistics rank? Well, Jerry's number one overall. So you can go back and forth and say those things. But then the eye test says when you watch Randy Moss play year after year, there, there was a good stretch of years he was the best receiver in football. Yeah, like... Yeah, <laughs> that's that's, that's uh, I can understand what Randy Moss is saying. I I don't necessarily agree with him, but I don't think it's like this horrific, awful. Like you take. look at the the, the all time yards receiving. Uh-huh. There is a massive sure, th- but that's that's longevity. Like look at uh, look at their best years. Like Randy Moss, his best year receipt like in terms of receptions had 111. Rice has him with 122. Their best year in terms of rece- uh, receiving yards, um, Rice was just over 1800. 
Uh, Moss's best year was sixteen thirty. So Rod, Jerry has there him too. there again. But then touchdowns, touchdowns Jerry Rice well, by one. Like Jerry Rice's best year was twenty two. Moss's best year was twenty three. Oh really? But at their absolute peaks, I think they're 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 contemporaries. I think they're in the same conversation. Now it's the longevity where Jerry Rice surpasses Randy Moss, like Emmitt Smith and Barry Sanders, like Tom Brady versus any quarterback ever. But it's also like not like Vince Carter, where if you just play long enough that you get enough stats, you're going to be considered for the Hall of Fame. Right. You know that those two guys are bona fide Hall of Famers, but if the caveat is, and oh, by the way, Jerry took care of himself and played long enough and had the year and had enough good, you know, above average years that he's the all time leader in receptions and all these other things, then it kind of pushes him over the top. Yeah, my, my, I guess my, um, my nitpick here isn't so much that I think that Moss is right. It's more that I don't think that I think that we're criticizing Moss too much for that mindset because I think he's talking about at his peak. Like I was a better receiver than Jerry Rice. Certainly don't have the numbers. One zero one one better name for receiver Jerry Rice or Randy Moss? They're both pretty good, but like Randy Moss has he mossed him like. He's kind of got the nickname on him. Uh, 713-780-3776. 8244-greatest-wide-receiver-one-season Megatron. It's hard to argue that. Uh, 2128, Moss has the craziest highlight reel of all time, but Rice never quit on his team. Uh, quarterbacks, uh, the conversation we're having quarterbacks real quick. 9470, Mahomes has the most to gain out of any quarterback left because it brings him one step closer to Tom Brady and the title of the GOAT. Mahomes has the most to gain because everybody else is trying to prove themselves. Uh, I, like, that's, I can listen to that because Mahomes, I think has a shot to get into Tom Brady territory when it's all said and done. Two one two eight. Elway was near forty by the time he won a legacy game. Lamar has plenty of time. Uh, both highlight real athletes, and that goes back to the question you were asking: of the four quarterbacks, who has the most opportunities? I don't think Lamar and the Ravens are going anywhere, but the AFC is super competitive. Same thing with Mahomes. Like, the Chiefs aren't going to go anywhere, but the AFC is super competitive. Um, as long as Brock Purdy's the starter in San Francisco, I expect them to be good, but you bring up the job security. If he kind of pees down his leg in the playoffs and then a few games into the regular season, how, how guaranteed is his starting job? Far less than any of these other guys. But I would say that Jared Goff has the – like, I don't see the Lions being a staple in conference championship games like I can see Baltimore, Kansas City, and San Francisco be staples. So in terms of how many more opportunities, I would say Goff has the fewest. Do you think that's because of the fact – I mean, because the, the rest of their roster seems to be like it's going to be in place for the next several years where they've got a good young roster to mm-hmm. where they can be competing for it. We've talked about the NFC being lesser than the AFC. Do they have a better roster in San Francisco? Maybe. Mm, okay, I disagree. I mean, not maybe not right now today, <laughs> uh-huh. but for the next three years they might. Depending on the salary, you got cap some, yeah, you stuff. got some big numbers and some guys that are starting to you know downside of their career. Where you got Hutchinson and you you got Gibbs and you got Laporta and you got an offensive line that's massive and really Texas talented. Have those guys, yeah, I know. I think you've mentioned that a time or two. So who do you have as the, the lowest? Who who has the fewest opportunities of the four that are left? Oh, I think it's Purdy. <laughs> Purdy, yeah. The job security point is a good point. Like I could see them moving on if he just like is a dud. Now here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. As much as we say that he doesn't have the ability to really create a legacy. If San Francisco wins it this year, they stay with Brock Purdy and they win another one in the next couple of yeah. years. Now suddenly it's an Eli type camp. No, he obviously has to have a lot more statistics. Sure, but all of a sudden he gets more accolades and more love for a legacy because he won he won multiple Super Bowls. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. We'll get your thoughts on this. Also, let's take a look at this coaching carousel craziness. Two jobs left. Feels good about Bobby Slowick. Maybe not great news for Gerard Johnson interviewing for more OC spots. 
And uh, do we really live in a world where Raheem Morris was chosen over Bill Belichick? <laughs> it's wild. 713-780-ESPN. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. He's Blank. I'm Branham. We are the Bees. Uh, this texture here, 7727. Great show today, guys. Uh, we should be like Costanza, if you watch Seinfeld. Costanza, as soon as he got a, like a, great, that's a good joke. He, he's like, that's it for me. I'm done for the day. We should do that. Anytime we get a compliment, <laughs> however quickly it comes in the show, we just hang it up, call it a day. And we're going we're gonna to sign off on that. We'd be we done can do it at 545. Yeah, we are going to be carrying some. Uh, we, we are preempted later today for some college basketball. So we'll, we'll cut off one segment early, which is good. It means 11 segments today instead of 12. But um, did you see the game that we're carrying? I did. Michigan State, Wisconsin, the Badgers, top 25 Badgers. Yeah, That's sure why I'm talking like a Yankee. Um, yeah, carrying some Big Ten basketball. How about that? It's like football with a couple of hoops. Does that belong on Bad Take Boulevard? They were carrying Big Ten basketball. I, I kind of questioned Wisconsin. Joe when he told me they were doing it. I'm like, I'm not sure the rest, the rest of the world is ready to hear yeah. all that. Apparently we have to. Because of the, uh, the the deal with the Cowboys carrying their game, so it's all part of that deal. I'm not supposed. To, I don't know if I'm supposed to pull that curtain back, but better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. This coaching carousel is crazy. I uh, like in the show yesterday. Like you know, it's difficult to kind of like process things. Raheem Morris was was literally hired over Bill Belichick. I that blows me away. And, and I, there's people saying, well, you know, Bill Belichick's record uh, since Tom Brady isn't very good. Bill Belichick's record since Tom Brady left him is still better than Raheem Morris's NFL head coaching record. And not to say that this is like I'm pounding the table for Belichick uh, because maybe Belichick wanted to be too controlling. He wanted to control the roster. Maybe the front office was unsure about Belichick. I get all of that. I'm not saying it was the wrong decision. It's just incredibly surprising that when you have a chance to hire a lot of people would say the greatest head coach of all time, mm-hmm. that instead of doing that, you hire Raheem Morris, who was once your interim head coach and has a worse record than Bill Belichick does post-Tom Brady. But I think you're right. I think that you know, as time goes by, and we saw a lot of shortcomings in a guy that's going to be probably go down as the, the greatest uh, head coach in the history of the NFL in the last couple of years. I mean, he hired a, a defensive coordinator to be his offensive coordinator. I mean, he, he did a lot of things that question. And you're right. I mean, look, he's kind of like the old school uh, guy that he learned from, Bill Parcells. He wants to control everything. And there's a general manager already in place in Atlanta. And you want a guy that's going to be able to work and work cohesively with a lot of, you know, with a lot of guys in the organization and it, it just seems like Belichick has always been the one-man band that likes to do it his way. So I, I, I can see why, for a lot of reasons, regardless of resume, that they went with a guy that they know versus a guy that what they know of is kind of scary. Yeah, I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm just saying that it was a surprising move. Just two jobs left. Uh, Washington, Seattle. Apparently, Quinn has a second in-person interview today, today. Uh, yeah. with Seattle. Uh, don't really expect Slowick to go there. Washington still needs to make sure that it seals the deal with Ben Johnson, which I expect that they will. I expect that they will get that done. Uh, and it seems like they're waiting until they're done with the uh, Detroit is done from their playoff run, at least through the championship game. Uh, this texture also said uh, Bill Belichick is waiting for that job in Dallas. Heard it here first. When people were speculating on that multiple weeks ago. This is something we talked about a little bit during, the, uh, during a break yesterday. Yeah. Do you think there's any possibility? You have one of these, let's call it a top 
seven team, let's call it a Super Bowl contender, they get off to a poor start next season, 2024, whether it's the Eagles with Nick Sirianni, McCarthy with Dallas, whoever, uh, a team of that caliber with a coach that's maybe on the hot seat. One of the, and they, they have like high expectations. One of those teams starts 0-3. Ownership's like, it's not working with this jabroni, Nick Sirianni. They cut ties with him. Would Bill Belichick entertain the idea of taking over a really good roster, really good team that have got off to an 0-3 start? I don't think so. I don't think I don't think so midseason. I think that he is a guy, like I said, that is my way or the highway, cut and dried, and that means not just me coming in and having to learn to work with others that I didn't choose. He's at a point in his career where he chooses just about everybody. I mean, he chose his two sons to be on his staff, but he chooses his heir apparent in some cases. He chooses guys that you know he knows that have been through his system, that have played for him, or that he trusts across the board. And I just don't think, because we know how there's been that level of secrecy and that key keep it internal in the family kind of mentality with him and the Patriots. I just think that you, he, he only takes a job that he starts in the off season and is able to build and construct his entire staff and roster. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, I hear you on that as well, but as much as he wants to chase the record, if it's a roster that he really likes and they give him a multi-year deal, I could, I could see him doing it. See, that's part of it because I, I think you're right. I think the biggest thing is because the discussion we always face other than him chasing the all-time wins is, was it Brady? Was it Belichick? Right? And Brady showed that when he got away from Belichick, he won one. So now Belichick without Brady has not had very much success. So if he's going to take another job, believe you me, he's, he's, he's eyeing it going, I need at least a chance to compete for one more to kind of – for my own sake and for everybody else's sake, kind of solidify that too. But I think the jobs next year or the potential jobs that could open up next year for him are way better in terms of win right away than the ones that were open this year. Unless, and let me, well, it could be an Eagles 0-3, hey, take over, we'll give you a five-year deal. You know, I think he would entertain that. But I think he'd struggle hard with trying to work with others that he maybe doesn't know and didn't hire. Yeah, because his and personality. That, and that's the rumor is, in Atlanta. The rumors in Atlanta is that they were concerned about like the staff. They were concerned about him looking at the tree and not the forest. You know, worried about the long term gain of Atlanta. Some of the front office was a little like unsure because apparently Arthur Blank was all in on 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 Belichick, but then everybody else in the organization was not. Which I give credit for Arthur Blank to kind of listen to his people, I agree. like people that he trusts, and, and like, hey, I, I believe you. It's not the thing that I want, but I trust your opinion. Let's let's go with your opinion now. I probably wouldn't have done it for him. Yeah, I don't think Jerry Jones would do that. No, absolutely not. Jerry Jones wouldn't listen at all. He wouldn't even ask the question. And I think the, the other thing is when you think about when you think about jobs that next year possibly versus this year, you mentioned the Eagles. I think yeah. there's a legit chance there. I think Buffalo, Dallas, yeah. and, you know, and maybe even I don't know Miami possibly, but pro- yeah. I, maybe I think that's a, and, and I a think longer shot. But yeah, I think yeah. if Rogers falters at all or they have any other issues, I think Salah already was being discussed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But because they went all in on Rogers, if that thing starts going sideways. I, and he knows that division very well in the Buffalo and New York case. There's going to be some pretty attractive jobs for him. I think he needs to stay relevant in this year, though. Like, I think he's not a broadcast and he's not a very friendly guy. No, That's going to be a tough sell. But if he just goes away for a year, I think it diminishes his viability as a candidate. I think he has. I can to see figure, that. Like, even if it's even if it's every few weeks where he does like a halftime show, I think he needs to stay relevant. Maybe just hang out with Taylor Swift. She makes everybody. Well, you know, relevant. you know where he really got a lot of people to kind of that always didn't 
kind of disliked him to kind of jump on board was that NFL Top 100 yeah. when they brought him in the studio and he had, they, he showed his knowledge and the history and mm-hmm. some of the the sidebars that people didn't know and they're like damn yeah Bill's actually he can be personable he's pretty good on that Telestrator thing too like for their team website they do it with Scott Zolak I think yeah, the old and he'll go he'll go through the film with them and it's like dang you're pretty sharp like it could be something as simple as that because you're right he doesn't have a great personality no. he's not made for TV I, I, but if he can do like those little like they're kind of bits if he can have a one segment this is the Telestrator of the week kind of like Jaws used to do on ESPN yeah. film or yeah. ESPN uh, that would I think he has to be in the public light though he has to stay in the football light same I'll, thing with Rabel I think I'll tell you Rabel one, less than Belichick though because sure. he's younger yeah and he's also you know he, he's relevant enough in the fact that he's kind of done it in today's NFL with a team that, or, and a roster that maybe wasn't as set as people thought and he had success I think Rabel will resurface again mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly uh, the one that got me on Belichick that really kind of made me at least oh, oh, wake up to the fact that he's actually not like a Tilla the Hun kind of a bad dude, was NFL Films did like a two or three uh, part documentary on the entire life of Bill Belichick. And like when he's not in the football and he's got a boat and he goes fishing and he and his wife do this and, you know, and some of the other things they were doing where he's laughing and, and you're going, that's the same guy that goes, I'm on to Buffalo. I mean, it, it was crazy. <laughs> 713-780-ESPN, HRMP, listener line. What's been the craziest thing to you in this coaching carousel? Also, D'Amico Ryans was hired by the Texans in the last carousel. Where would D'Amico stack up in this carousel? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at MyBookie. Big weekend. We know it. Big games. They are on the docket, and you want to make them even bigger. You go to MyBookie.ag, and you can put some money down, and now you got a chance to win some coin, and those games become even more relevant, more exciting, and a bigger opportunity for a payoff. We got those NFL playoffs. You got... All the NBA games, college basketball, golf, soccer, hockey, you name it. If it's a live sport going on and it's professional or college, you're probably going to be able to bet on it at mybookie.ag. And mybookie.ag is more than just a sports book. Real-life Vegas experiences from the comfort of your own home. Live dealers standing by, poker, blackjack, roulette, they're all available to you. All there while you're on the site at mybookie.ag. And if you want to click on some bonuses or get some bonuses that can make your betting enjoyment even better, all you got to do is remember our promo code, BET975. Now, when you go to mybookie.ag and either sign up for the first time or reload your account, if you use that promo code, BET975, you can double what you put into your account from $50 to $1,000. That's right. Put 100 in. Suddenly, there's 200 in your account. More money to bet with means more games that you can actually have a chance to win with. Start playing today. Mybookie.ag. Use our promo code, BET975. Do what I always tell you to do. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it, mybookie.ag. You're back where you belong in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the Killer Bees, who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. Dizzle on the uh, the Twitter. If you're Belichick, do you wear your rings to the interview? No. Yeah. Everybody who needs everybody that's interviewing you already knows what you've done. It's what you're going to do. That is most important to them. Yeah, you don't need to do that. 9317, just a thought, but is Belichick being blackballed by all the other NFL owners because of Spygate? And they feel like he got away with cheating. I'm not going to go that far. I think there's a lot of owners that are old school, big time owners that are enamored with what he's done and and his name and the success that he's had and winning at all costs. I don't think that that's the case, though. I think that there's a, a good number of people in the NFL, owners and otherwise, that really despise what he did and how he did it. I have a uh, a general take when it comes to the NFL that they don't care about scandal. The NFL doesn't care about scandal. Like, 
players that have been suspended for PEDs in the NFL, do we look back at them and their career and be like, oh, that career stained? Like Julian Edelman missed four games, I think, for PEDs once. Do we look at Julian? Oh, his career was stained. He wasn't good. Brian Cushing's a local guy. Uh, Dwayne Brown had the weird one with the meat in Mexico. But I, could, I couldn't sit here and tell you the guy. Like I mentioned a couple there. But there's so many others that have been suspended for performance-enhancing drugs, and we just, oh, oh well, overlook it. Don't even remember who they were. You can't do that in baseball. Same thing with the deflate gate. Like deflate gate was kind of like, uh, we joke about it. Oh, Brady, you're so silly. You're still the greatest quarterback ever. Altuve never used the signs. Well, we're diminishing him. He's not going to be any good. Same thing with the steroid era in baseball. Like those guys aren't voted into the Hall of Fame. Well, Bonds, greatest player ever. You use steroids. You, you're not going to be voted into the Hall of Fame. Brady broke the rules. He, had, he was suspended four games. He's still the GOAT. We celebrate him. What is the but, other? Uh, but, but from that perspective, though, Jeremy, yeah. I think that, like I said, there are because of the way it went down, I don't think Jim Irsay, if he was of sound mind and body, I don't think Jim Irsay would ever hire Bill Belichick. I don't know, man. he's got the red ass for what they went through. I think that there are guys that know the stuff that they've pulled over the years and some of the things that he's done and the way that they've won. And there are guys, owners, and other people in the NFL that said, yeah, that's fine and dandy. There's nothing we can do about it, but I never want him you know, coaching my team or I never want him a part of my organization. I think there's general managers that could feel that way. I know there are owners that do. I mean, he's pretty highly respected. Like NFL scandal is not treated the same as Major League Baseball it's scandal not, at but, all. But a lot of it, too, in the conversations that I've had over the years with guys, too, when I say, white, you know, if you know this, if you're adamant that you know this, and a lot of guys have come, to, you know, in casual conversations to ha- have brought things to the table where I just casually just said, look, it's none of my business, but if you know this stuff, why wouldn't you report it? And they said because they don't want to take money out of their pocket. They don't want to stain the logo of the NFL, the reputation, like the scandal did with the NBA with officiating and, and all those kind of things. But I think that there's still going to be guys that despise if they lost to the Patriots over the years, yeah, good, sure. better, and different. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be they're going to be bitter about it. They're going to be jaded. Like, even Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels cheated. He got another head coaching job again. Um, so we, they, we don't publicly scorn – all of these NFL players that PD did, like Bounty Gate, ha ha ha, uh, Deflate Gate, all of these things, like we do with baseball. Like baseball is this holier than thou. Don't don't uh, don't mess with the the national pastime. Whereas football is like the heck with it. Let's just pound your brain in. If we have to juice to the gills, we juice to the gills. Yeah, I mean, because I, I mean, but also part of that is too. I don't think anybody ever associated steroids with baseball or the need to get all jacked up uh, to in order to to play baseball like they do for football. Yeah, it's definitely more uh, going to get you, going to take your head off. Linebackers love to kill quarterbacks. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's was hired by the Texans last year. Uh, where would you stack him up with the carousel this year? If D'Amico was in the new coaching hire class of this season. Where would he rank amongst the ones that have been hired this year? Boy, I, I think that if – I mean, are we saying that – What's your favorite hire? Like, let's start there. What's your favorite hire of this class? Raheem Morris to Atlanta, Canales to Carolina, Antonio Pierce stays on board in uh, Vegas, Harbaugh goes to the Chargers, Mayo to the Patriots. Feels like forever ago. He was hired. Yeah. Uh, Brian Callahan to the Titans. Uh, I, and I, I guess let's just assume Ben Johnson goes to Washington and you can pick Vrabel or uh, Quinn, Quinn in Seattle. Quinn, Quinn yeah. Uh, I, I, look, I think it's Harbaugh. It's the sexiest story. It's the biggest pick. He's been enamored with Herbert for quite a while. And the fact is, is, you know, he gets uh, coming off the national championship. He gets to go to the city of Los Angeles and he gets a franchise quarterback in waiting uh, and, and some weapons to work with where he's got a chance to win. So I think that. To me, it comes down to Harbaugh and D'Amico. 
But my question to you would have been, is D'Amico still the defensive coordinator of the Niners and still in the playoffs if he passed this year and he's being interviewed for jobs? Because if he's still having success and he's still, you know, taking the Niners to the NFC Championship game, I think he's going to carry some cachet again this season to where I would put him as probably 1B to Harbaugh in terms of overall with the sexiness, the success, uh, you know, and, and all the things that Harbaugh's done versus a guy that's the big up-and-comer that continues to do his job really well in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that things would really slip in San Francisco. They were the right. third-best defense this year. Uh, if they had D'Amico back, I, I don't think they would be worse than third. Uh, might even be a little bit better. I have a Harbaugh bias. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not a big fan of Harbaugh. Um, I know he had some really good success in the NFL. He's, his cheese factor is hard for me to take seriously. And you know, some players love him, I guess. But wearing cleats on the football field as a head coach is weird to me. His quirks that he has, where he like never what like, talk to the player, uh, is always really like he just he rubs me the wrong way. I'll just, completely admit it. He rubs me well, the me wrong too. way. And it's easy to see. He's it's easy too because he makes it so easy for you because he can be crotchety and cranky and his khakis and all the different things that he does that you know just piss people off. The fact is, is that he wins because it actually bothered me when they started putting him in the same conversation as Jimmy Johnson and, and Pete Carroll and, and you know, and, and all these guys that have won, you know, it, they, they're assuming that he's going to have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl, but he's mm-hmm. been to a Super Bowl, won a natty, and everybody's like, you know, he's in that conversation, Switzer, and I'm going, I don't, I just don't see him that way, Yeah, but it's also probably because I don't want to see him that way. I, I can see that he is the sexiest name that will be, yeah. I, I think he's sexier than Ben Johnson too, name. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, let's be very clear. Pause. Um, I think Ben Johnson's the best one though, and if D'Amico, like if you just put the Houston Texans in this coaching carousel, they hired D'Amico Ryans in this coaching carousel, I would like it more than the Jim Harbaugh hire, again, because I have a bias against Jim Harbaugh. I, I know that I'm speaking in the minority here. I'll concede that that but I would put Ben Johnson D'Amico Ryan's as the best hires and Jim Harbaugh's name you can throw him into that top tier so that's where I would have D'Amico rank assuming that Ben Johnson gets the Washington job I would say that those would be the best three hires Harbaugh trying to eliminate my bias with LA uh, D'Amico and Houston if we're putting them in this year's coaching carousel and I would throw Ben Johnson because I believe that Ben Johnson's gonna be really good I agree but I think that also when when we start doing this like we've done in the past when we were actually doing it with more personal interest in it with the Texans the fit matters too right so you're looking for an offensive minded coach to kind of get Justin Herbert where he needs to go and get this team away from a defensive minded coach that had all kinds of issues in a city like Los Angeles where you're competing with the Rams day in day out and playing second fiddle and you need splashy 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 name as well as what you need for your football team to kind of take it where it needs to go And then you go from there. I think that D'Amico, we knew, was a defensive-minded coach, and you and I had this conversation back and forth about if they're going to get a franchise quarterback, do you need an offensive-minded head coach? Or we even said, or you run the risk of having an offensive coordinator, and if they have success, he's going to be interviewed to go, and here we are. But at the same time, that's why I'm saying every situation matters. I don't think that the the Chargers want or need another defensive-minded head coach. They need to right the ship with Justin Herbert in the offense, and I think they kind of ignored it when they hired Staley. You know, I think they're watching D'Amico in year one, though, that I've kind of uh, I've kind of changed my tune when it comes to like offensive minded, defensive minded. I, I I after watching D'Amico and then just like you know have maybe being a little bit more mature now after a year, I, I want a leader. 
Like I want to, I want a guy who can come in because I don't think D'Amico was perfect as a defensive play caller this year. I don't think D'Amico was perfect as a game manager this year. In fact, I think he he had some flaws, and I'll give him the you know the grace that it's his first year and that he'll get better, and everything that he has shown you in the course of his life in football uh, tells you that he's willing to like learn and improve, and he's you know always working at it. So I believe that he'll get better defensively. I think that there is probably a lack of personnel that we're probably not really like really willing to give that credit to him, but he was far from like a perfect head coach where I think that he made his biggest stride in this organization was as a leader. Like look at the culture from this year to last year, the year before and how quickly he turned the tide there Mm -hmm. because offensive play callers are going to fail. Like it's just going to happen just because you're an offensive wizard doesn't mean you're going to have success. McDaniels is an offensive wizard, right? And he's failed in two different spots because his leadership is terrible. Look what the Raiders did going from uh, going to Antonio Pierce. And look, like he yeah. changed the culture in a few weeks. So I, I think that we devalue leadership when we talk about the NFL head coaching carousel. And the reason that we do that is because we don't know how they are as leaders. We can look at we can look to see where an offense ranks. Oh, Ben Johnson's top five last two years. He must be a really good head coach. Oh, D'Amico led the top rated defense in the NFL. He must be a really good head coach. When I think that the the most important attribute from a head coach is leadership. Well, and not only leadership, Jeremy, but it's management too, right? Mm-hmm. Because part of being a great manager is hiring someone to do the job and letting them do the job. We just got done talking about Belichick, who thought he was so smart he could hire whoever he wanted and throw a defensive coordinator into the offensive coordinator's job and everything was going to just work out and it wasn't going to work out and that's just a massive ego. The fact that D'Amico knows what he knows and then hired someone that knows what he doesn't and then stayed out of the way in order for Bobby Slowick to do what he did shows you that he not only is a leader, but he has great management skills and managerial skills because a lot of guys would kind of hinder their employees instead of helping them, and they would butt in, and D'Amico didn't seem to do that. I don't like the Harbaugh's. John Harbaugh is fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, he's a great coach. Fantastic head coach. He doesn't call offensive or defensive plays, but he has that management skill. He has that leadership skill. And I'll take that, like Mike Tomlin, the same way. I'll take that over anything. Uh, would he be above D'Amico? Uh, if, if Belichick got hired in Atlanta, if Rabel gets hired in Seattle, would you have had D'Amico's hire above those two guys? Yeah. I would, too. Like I would. I, At I this think, point in Belichick's career, yeah. for sure. And I, I honestly think Vrabel needs a year off. I think Vrabel's a little overrated. I, I think that, you know, he, he had issues with the general manager late. Um, I think, to your point, he overachieved a little bit early. But I think that you show you saw a lot of the real Mike Vrabel in the last year year and a half. Because of the fact that he just, he, you know, he didn't have primetime Derrick Henry mm-hmm. and, and a, you know, a stout stacked defense, uh, defense because of the veterans they had. And I think that he probably needs a year off or he needs to kind of go somewhere where early on he can re-elevate his star. His last two and a half years are abysmal. Like, if you're looking at just his last two and a half years, he wouldn't be hired. He was not hired. Same thing with Belichick. Like, the, the allure of Belichick is pre-last three to five years. And I don't want to hire a guy because of their resume greater than five years ago. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Speaking of uh, leaders, speaking of coaches, we, we think that Ime Adoka is doing a, an admirable job, a good job. Alpi Shingun was on the uh, podcast with uh, J.J. Reddick. What's it called? I don't know it off the top of my head. Oh, uh, but man. a really good podcast with Reddick. He had some... It's really, called The Old Man and the Three. There you go. Who's the old man? I guess J.J. I'm not sure. Yeah, because he's now the old man. I thought he, he would he be and the three. The three. Well, it's only him on the He's podcast. He's not old. Guests. 
Well, he's got like correspondence. They may be the three. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's a play on words. I like that. I like a little creativity. Anyways, Alpi was on with Reddick. Had some really interesting things to say, including he likes tough coaching. Who have we noticed are Eme guys that like that tough coaching? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the people with, that give you the opportunity to get Daisy Dips. Daisy, you know, is a name that's just absolutely synonymous with sour cream. Do a dollop of Daisy on your favorite baked potato. It gets better when you get that and all the fully loaded stuff that goes with it. Daisy's always been known for sour cream, but Daisy uses that sour cream in their dips. And their dips are available for you at the grocery store, saving you time and allowing you to entertain your guests even better when you're watching the games this weekend or having people over to the house. Because of the fact that you don't have to sit there in the kitchen and mix the sour cream with the soup mix and the spices and to try to get it just right. All you got to do is go to your grocery store while you're doing the grocery shopping for what you're going to serve when the people come over. Grab yourself a tub of the French onion. Grab yourself a tub of the ranch. And the next thing you know, your pizza's better and your wings are better and your veggie dip and chips are better. All because you're serving the Daisy Dips. It's not very difficult to go get, and it makes you look like a winner no matter how the game turns out. Go to your grocery store today and grab yourself a couple of tubs of Daisy Dips. 